As a local who grew up here, this is a dream come true. This wouldn't have been possible for someone in Las Vegas to have an opportunity to lead a professional sports organization more than three years ago. So the opportunity that Mark has, has granted and just being a part of the Raiders is obviously an incredible privilege, but it's just as important that he understands the value that I could bring as well. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president of the Raiders. So big day in the NFL, big day for the Raiders. Very cool celebration, press conference earlier this afternoon at Allegiant. We're getting ready for college football as well. UNLV camp's going to open up here in just a couple of weeks, and that's going to happen all across the Mountain West Conference. We've been counting down from the back end of the season the opponents on the schedule. We already talked Hawaii football last week, uh, Reno football the week before. Fresno's tough, man. Fresno's tough, and this guy knows it. Cam Worrell, who played at Fresno, played in the NFL with the, the Bears, the Jets, and the Dolphins, is uh, checking in with us nice enough to give us some time to uh, talk about the Fresno offseason and what this season's going to look like. How are you, sir? I'm great. Great day. Great day in Fresno, I'm sure. Vegas is just on fire with uh, the Raiders naming a new president. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. We got we got the Raiders stuff. We got the NBA Summer League on the ground here. They're just tipping off, but... Let's talk a little college football, and let's talk about the uh, the Fresno offseason because there was a point, I think, uh, you know, I'm sure some Fresno fans are like, oh, my God, our coach just got stolen by Washington. But the recovery <laughs> was, was pretty quick, and it was pretty interesting who they turned to. Yeah, they thought our our coach got stolen by Washington and our quarterback's going to get stolen <laughs> from yeah. by Washington, too. It, you know, it kind of played out, I mean, about as good as you could hope if you're a Fresno State fan. Kalen DeBoer, excellent young coach who Jeff Tefford brought here when he took over the reins uh, the first time in 2017 as offensive coordinator, learned under Jeff, went to Indiana for a year, had success, and then took off to Washington. And, and Jeff Tefford, who, you know, stepped away because of health-related reasons, but like, I'm telling you, one of the best football coaches I've ever been around. You know, the, the way he was able to turn this program around in 2017 from a 1-11 program to a Mountain West title game appearance and then a Mountain West title, you know, a year later, <laughs> still blows me away because this program was in dire straits and they were not playing anywhere close to, to good football. So perfect. Couldn't have been written better for Fresno State fans. Kalen gets this great opportunity for him and his family. He moves on and Jeff steps, steps right back in and builds, I mean, what I think is one of the best coaching staffs on the entire West Coast. So there's a lot of excitement in, in Fresno for the upcoming So I guess the one thing I would be concerned about as a fan, you know, uh, Jeff Tefford walked away because of some health issues. He's all good to go now. There's, it's not going to be a two-year run, and then he's like, yeah, I just can't do it anymore? Man, you know, I, I would love to say, yeah, he's, you know, he's in great shape, and he'll right. be here for as long as he wants to be, but... You know, it was a heart issue. He had an ablation done, and, and you know, his body took very well to that. He's in really good shape. He looks good. He's energetic. Uh, but you just, you never know. You know, the heart is such a complex organ. It's, I mean, it's as important as anything in your entire body. So, you know, I think that kind of always is going to be something that is a variable in, in what Jeff Tedford can do, how long he's going to be here, you know, all of those things. You just can't feel certain that he's going to be able to coach as long as he wants to because he, he has those issues and he's had those issues in the past. We'll take our doctor's hats off, right? I guess the uh, stethoscope. <laughs> we can get rid of those stock football. Um, so, Hainer, 
Uh, it, I mean, it, it would make sense, right? You go follow your coach. You get to go to the Pac-12. You play for Washington. What went into his decision to come back? And I guess it, it also shows Jeff Tedford's a brilliant offensive mind, and he's great with quarterbacks. He's got a great history. But why do you think Hayner said, you know what, I'm just going to stay at Fresno? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was a really complex, you know, decision for Jake. He was uh, selected to the Senior Bowl if he wanted to leave and put his name in the NFL draft. He had that opportunity. His his coach, Kalen DeBoer, leaves, takes Ryan Grubb, his offensive coordinator, who he grew to really have a great relationship with, took him to Washington, and Jake entered the transfer portal so he could figure out what the best decision was going to be for him. And at the end of the process, you know, staying here, he came here to play for Jeff Tedford from Washington, originally wanted to see that through, wanted to have the opportunity to play underneath him. Uh, and then just, you know, it was the timing of all of it. He had to make a quick decision, wasn't sure he was going to get in school uh, up at the University of Washington, would have to wait maybe till late summer until he had a, a clear direction uh, as far as if that was going to work out or not, and just decided, you know, the, the risk is not worth it. I can stay here, continue to build, I think, a pretty special offense with some pretty special weapons. I know that Pac-12, going back to Washington, where he probably should have been named the starter and never should have been a Fresno State Bulldog, was appealing to him. You know, some unfinished business, but at the end of the day, it was just a, a really practical decision to stay here, and he had to make that decision in, a, in an accelerated time frame. So, Fresno offense is loaded. you got the quarterback back. We'll talk about the receivers in a second. I do have to say, though, Ronnie Rivers was friggin' awesome. Really nice kid. I got a chance to talk to him in town for the East-West Shrine. He always beat up UNLV. I thought he was the best pro prospect at running back uh, You know that was available uh, in the NFL draft. So, w- what do they do? Because Ronnie Rivers was he, – he's not just a guy who's a downhill guy carrying the ball. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. So, what are they going to do in the run game? Yeah, I mean, I think the the one aspect of what Ronnie did, kind of run the football downhill, they, they'll be able to replace that with Jordan Mims. Um, you know, Ronnie got hurt last year. Jordan stepped in, a couple of back-to-back 100-yard games, a little bigger than Ronnie, runs a little bit more physically. But uh, Ronnie is as complete of a back as I've ever watched here at Fresno State. You know, not only can he run it downhill, can he slash, can he get outside and make people miss, he catches it well out of the backfield, but his pass protection, even for a smaller guy, I think was, you know, really undervalued. He stepped up and took on the challenge of protecting Jake Hayner and knew where the blitz was coming from, knew what, where his assignment was, knew how to scan if he didn't get somebody immediately and pick up some trash. He was just so smart back there as a protector. They're really going to miss that aspect of Ronnie Rivers' game. He's with Arizona now. Man, I'm, I'm the biggest Ronnie Rivers fan. You could be excellent kid, as you said. Yep. Just, a, just a great individual, worked hard, humble. He, he will do every single thing right with that organization. And I just I hope that you know he, he gets a real opportunity to make a roster because I think he can really make an impact in the NFL. Previewing the uh, UNLV football schedule as uh, the Rebels, of course, with their uh, full slate of Mountain West Conference games. We're talking Fresno State right now with a guy who played at Fresno State. Cam Morrell played in the NFL. That game goes down on November 11th, uh, late in the season. Listen, last year's game there was competitive. UNLV had ball in hand with a chance to tie the game. And I just, I'm sure you felt that, like, as the game went along, it, like, it just didn't seem like the Bulldogs were, you know, kind of getting it with uh, the threat that UNLV was. And, and UNLV had 
Big plays from Charles Williams, big plays from Doug Brumfield, the quarterback before he went down. Then the true freshman, Cam Friel, comes in. So that wound up being a 38-30 game. And I wonder how close these teams are and if the Rebels can close the gap with the game being played here uh, at Allegiant. What do you think? Like, What do you think of the threat of the Rebels based on what you saw last year? I mean, you know, the, the team that UNLV is on tape leading up to that Fresno State game, it's not the team that shows up to play Fresno State. I mean, it, it, good, bad, or, or otherwise. Like, when UNLV plays Fresno State, they play some of their best football. I, I don't know if it's rivalry. Fresno State's kind of, you know, like a standard. UNLV is chasing. But, no, it's going to be competitive. Every single year it's competitive, except for the couple years that UNLV just boat raced Fresno State and just right. embarrassed, embarrassed the Bulldogs. It's always a physical game. I just feel like UNLV really plays some of their best football against the Bulldogs. So, if anybody, and I think this is maybe part of it, you know, Fresno State's riding high. They beat UCLA. They're feeling really good about themselves. Um, you know, they they are atop the Mountain West, and okay, this UNLV team coming in with one win, like they, it's an aspect that I don't think people really understand. The Fresno State players today, they don't understand the the rivalry that exists between UNLV and Fresno State, how long these two programs have competed against each other, how dirty it used to get. I mean, it's a fierce rivalry with some real hatred towards one another. And I don't know if if these Fresno State players really understand that. They're going to get UNLV's best shot every single week. And what I think, honestly, 2022, Marcus Arroyo has that program in a really good place, and I think they're going to surprise a whole lot of people. That everything about what UNLV is doing, athletics-wise, I think has been fantastic. So much growth, so much investment in facilities, which Fresno State honestly lacks. And it's just a matter of time before all of it comes together for that football program. And I think Marcus Arroyo really has guys bought in, believing in his philosophy. I think they're going to be a really surprising team in 2022. And the Rebels always had the advantage of having Charles Williams on their side, a Fresno guy who felt mm-hmm. like he was snubbed. And last year he went off for uh, 198 total yards and a touchdown. I will tell you, though, based on what Jalen Cropper did and what Hainer did, I think that really shaped a lot of the offseason for Marcus Arroyo because I don't know how close you've been following the roster changes. UNLV turned over like 23 guys on defense. Like They had a bunch of guys out, and they have just loaded up on defensive back options. And they, they, they want competition. And that was one of their big problems last year. You know, late in games, they, they couldn't stop uh, big pass games like Fresno. So I want you to talk about some of the weapons, though, because we know Hayner's back. Um, and I mentioned Cropper. I mean, this Fresno team, if, if they choose to throw 40, 50, 60 times a game, is going to be freaking lights out. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's funny you say that because I think if Kalen DeBoer was still here and Ryan Grebel were still here, they probably would throw it 40 times a game like they that's just what they would do. Jeff Stafford doesn't really operate like that. Kirby Moore is the offensive coordinator. He is going to orchestrate. But, you know, if you think back to those great Boise teams under Chris Peterson, Kellen Moore operating, like they were very balanced. And Jeff Stafford wants to have a balanced offense. What that will do, I think, is just make Jay Kaner a little bit more efficient and keep him healthy because he's not a dude that's built who can, you know, get hit 15 or 20 times a game for – 10 weeks in a row and survive. He's just not that type of an athlete. So I think they'll be balanced. I think they'll base a lot of stuff off of Jordan Mims. They'll move guys around pre-snap, which is kind of that 
Boise, you know, identity. But if they line up man for man, you know, Jalen Cropper, Josh Kelly, uh, Eric Brooks in the slot, they, they are kind of set up to match up Trey Watson, the true freshman last year at tight end, really developed this offseason. I mean, they can match up with just about anybody on the West Coast. I, wa- I watched the, that crew against Oregon. I watched that crew against UCLA. Both of those secondaries were completely outmatched trying to match up against those guys one-on-one. So that, that threat still exists. Jay Kaner is as accurate of a thrower of the football as I've seen ever at Fresno State, including my boy Dave and Derek, who's, who's out there in Oakland now. I mean, Jake can make throws that those guys couldn't make as college players. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, that, yeah that, threat, that threat exists, and he, he can orchestrate it. And I think the biggest benefit for Jay Kaner with Jeff Tedford coming back is, one, I think he'll be able to keep him healthy because he will rely on a run game to take some of the pressure off Jake. But two, I think Jeff is, is an emotional guy. You know, he does everything with passion. But when it comes to transitioning quarterbacks, he, he finds a way to make them calm and really embrace, you know, everything that needs to be done to have success. that isn't fully dependent on Jake Hayner playing lights out every week. You know, there are other aspects and components of this offense that will allow you to do your job easier. And I think as Jake continues to embrace that mindset, his, you know, his skill sets are off the charts. And, you know, I'm expecting him to have just another fantastic year this year. Speaking to Cam Morrell, former six-year NFL vet, covers Fresno State. So you mentioned a second ago your boys – Derek, you know, there's some old school friends. You have something in common with a really, really close friend of mine, one of my best friends here in Las Vegas. You played with Vernon Fox. You both oh. went undrafted, and yet you both had successful NFL careers. You got to give me, give me some dirt. Tell me something. I mean, I, I can't imagine there, there is any speck of dirt on the, the illustrious Vernon Fox. <laughs> there's, there is absolutely none. No, I mean, Vernon is, 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 high quality of, a, of an individual as I've ever been around. I mean, really, even though he was only a year older, <clears throat> a real mentor for me, really taught me about the safety position, taught me how to go about my work, you know, taught me how to attack things head on. And then seeing what he did as an undrafted free agent, you know, my senior year kind of allowed me to believe that I could do the same thing. But, nah, Vernon is, man, just an outstanding individual and – I wish I had something for you. I don't. I mean, he was he was great to be around as a teammate. Used to drive this old beat up Saturn with some rims. He might still have it. I don't know. I think he had a Saturn that had like 18s or 20s on it. He really, really was proud of it. I think when he got uh, when he got on with San Diego, he got rid of it and got something new. But that, that's about it. Just he's a a great, great individual. The only thing. Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl in 1999, Mike Anderson uh, gave him a stiff arm that continues to be a picture that is put up in the Las Vegas Bowl program every single year. Vernon getting a straight arm from Mike Anderson in Utah. That's about it. That's all I got for you. Right. <laughs> well, that, Vernon goes. Just... That, that, that's enough for me. The, the, the stiff arm and the Saturn is going to work. Now, I got to ask you because I am a hiking fanatic. Even at my old age, but I'm looking at the cover photo of your Twitter page, and man, it is reminiscent of a hike that I do called Calico Tanks. Is that in Vegas or is that in SoCal? No, nah, that's 
That's in Vegas. Yeah, you got it. That's, is that Calico we Tanks? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. We were out there, you know, Paul Leffler, who, who does the play-by-play for Fresno State, a uh, big hiker as well. I always kind of uh, jump on with him. And, yeah, we were up there. It must have been the COVID year. Uh, the last time Fresno State was at Allegiant with very minimal fans in attendance, a very weird atmosphere. Uh, yeah, the Calico Tanks, we, we did that hike the day before. Took a selfie. Uh, Stephen Hicks, who's on the ABC affiliate in Fresno, almost blew off the cliff. It was so windy that day, uh, but he survived. But, yeah, man, good eye because that's exactly where we were. Just a beautiful hike right after sunrise. A little bit challenging, but you could run around and jump on some rocks. It was, a, it was an absolute blast. Cam, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you during the season, and we certainly want to talk more about the Carr Brothers and the Raiders with you. So thank you. Sounds good. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. There he is, former NFL player with the Bears, the Dolphins, the Jets, Cam Morrell. Very important season for Fresno. Well, every season is important when you have high standards like they do at Fresno. Obviously, they're angling like every school in the Mountain West would like to to get into the Pac-12. And they have some interesting spots early in the season. We just had you know Cam on to talk about the UNLV game hosting Fresno here on November 11th. But early in the year, they get USC at USC on September, uh, September 17th. And then Oregon State is at Fresno on September 10th, which who knows, man, after this all shakes out, Oregon State might be a regular member of the Mountain West Conference. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling towards the halfway point here at Silver Sevens, Cofield and Company. You know, Willie and I were just talking during a break about uh, what a busy day it was today for the Las Vegas sports market as the uh, NBA Summer League is opening up uh, just down the road at the Thomas and Mac and the Cox Pavilion. By the way, if you haven't been over to UNLV uh, near Cox Pavilion, near Mendenhall, near the Thomas and Mac, they were doing a build out of their garage there, yeah. mostly for students. My God, that thing is close to being done. What a behemoth! <laughs> that that is like, it's you know it's not it's not uh, you know twelve stories like some of the ones on the strip, but that's quite the build out as uh, UNLV campus continues to alter itself, and uh, that facility you know certainly needed some more parking. So and guess what? There'll be some road construction coming up. So I don't know when they're going to make that official, but there's going to be a lot of changes to Paradise and Tropicana in terms of the flow of traffic. So that that'll be interesting next year for the summer league. So Raiders today announce new president. And Keith Whitfield was there, right? Now, we know UNLV has a relationship with the Raiders, and I think it's gone okay. I think UNLV would like to improve the relationship. Uh, UNLV football, Allegiant is is massive in recruiting. It's massive in what could happen in the future with college conference Armageddon. So I caught up with President Whitfield. Uh, I thought this was a good interview. So he had a lot to say as uh, we started off the conversation talking about the new president, of the organization, and I asked him why it was such a big day for Vegas, the Raiders, and UNLV. I think this is a huge day, but it's a huge day for so many different reasons. One, that we have a Vegan leading the Las Vegas Raiders in that role of president. And I think, too, anybody who knows Sandra Morgan knows she is she's an, she's an incredible leader, an incredible thought person. She thinks like the world is actually running now, not 20 years ago. And so 
her vision for the future, I'm anxious to see, and I'm anxious for UNLV to be able to have even a closer relationship with the Raiders. How do you know her, and what have you worked on in the past? So, just getting to know people in the community. Um, one of the things that I decided to do is to reach out to all the quote-unquote movers and shakers. <clears throat> and she was introduced as one person that I should get to know. Partly because of her board presence, partly because, um, you know, she led the Gaming Commission. I mean, she is one of those people that is an influencer, knows what's going on, and can help you think about how we can best serve the community. And that was my job when I first started UNLV, and that continues to be my job. And so, uh, just getting to know her, see that there's a shared vision for we've got to be able to grow this place that we're at and at the same time it has to be able to grow that facilitates benefits the people of Las Vegas and so uh, it, it's so it's always fun talking and, and working with her. She's certainly breaking a barrier as the first African-American woman to be uh, organization uh, president in the National Football League as an African-American male can you talk about you know, changing times and, and more African-Americans getting in positions of power. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I was just making a joke with her that we're going to have to have a, a first African-American president because I'm the first African-American president for UNLV. And I think in part that that reflects what Vegas is. Vegas is a progressive place. Um, we're not going to, to, to criticize you on what you look like. We're going to criticize you on what you do. And I think that what you're going to see is is that this is going to be a place that's going to look to Sandra Morgan and, and just be so incredibly impressed with what she's done. But I, I think that it represents where our society is supposed to be today, which is is that you're, you're, you're judged on what you do, uh, not necessarily what you look like or your background. She's an incredible woman, an incredible leader, and we're going to see that. And that's the reason why she got the job. But I think the more we can have first and the more that we can have people looking diverse, it's, it benefits everybody. It doesn't just be benefit one group. And actually, everybody says, hey, yeah, in America, you get judged by the, the content of your character rather than the color of your skin. Well, it's certainly going to benefit the community. And you mentioned the relationship with the Raiders. And there, there probably is some work to be done on that front. Do you have some initiatives that you'd, you'd like to see? And I'll throw in, this building is massive yeah. for UNLV football and UNLV in general. Um, so do I have something? Yes. Because uh, particularly, you know, it's one of just my favorite. It's the K through 12. I want to do anything to be able to help uh, our superintendent, who is an incredible leader. He needs everybody to be able to help, to be able to make outcomes for our kids better. Um, and I know that the Raiders are committed to that. One of the other things the Raiders are committed to that uh, I have been working on one of their, their groups on uh, is just about equality in general. And um, I, I think that, again, it's, it's easy. You know, we're tied for one of the most diverse campuses in the whole country. And so it makes sense, an organization that holds diversity is important for us to partner with them. And so I think that's the reason why we intersect, we connect, we are doing things together. And I think under uh, Sandra's leadership, we're going to do more. So one last one on UNLV specifically. UNLV fans are concerned with this conference, Armageddon, this chaos. And it's actually, you know, I give you guys credit. I think this is a good thing. It's actually been very quiet coming out of UNLV. So what would you say to fans in terms of, hey, are you working on things? Is there a chance that UNLV gets to move to a different conference? You know, this city is a, certainly an attractive city. Uh, it's definitely an attractive city because we got great fans here. Um, you know, anything is possible. Um, we're with the Mountain West. Um, one of the things that we've committed to uh, since I've been here and I think since before is the idea that we would make whatever conference we're in the best that it can be. 
And so, you know, going in the future, if you look and see, it's it's absolute chaos. Yeah. I mean, with things moving around and promises and backdoor deals and all that kind of kind of stuff. I can tell you, since this broke, um, I've not had any conversation about necessarily moving. But yeah, you look at UNLV and you think, yeah, that's one of the possible ones. I think it's the reason why uh, it's talked about and there's a lot of whatever. But, you know, we're with the Mountain West for, for right now. And, um, you know, people have even talked about conferences maybe melding. I mean, there's just... I, 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 one of the, the roles that I serve, actually, is I serve on the college football playoff uh, committee. And one of the things from those interactions that you can see is, is that all of the conferences are changing. All of the conferences are, are looking at themselves and looking at themselves in different sorts of ways. And so I couldn't tell you today what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but just know um, UNLV is going to be in it. It's, it is a great place for fans. It's a great place for entertainment. And so um, there's always going to be some kind of talk. But we just want to do the best that we can do wherever we're at. Um, We've, we've got a football team that is growing and developing. It's got to make that next step in growth and development this next year. And uh, Coach Arroyo, I think, is, he's, he's he, you got to talk to Coach Arroyo. He's a really, really smart guy. And I think it's just taken some time. But if you look, some of these decisions being made about moving is mostly around football. And they're around things that are for promise and none of them is guaranteed. And so I've seen conference changes like when I was associated with school in the ACC. They went and picked up a couple of, of schools and none of them did well in football, which is the major revenue driver. So um, we, we love, we want to have as many UNLV fans enjoying UNLV football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball, all of those things so that we can be able to enjoy that piece of life. There he is. President Whitfield was out at the uh, intro press conference for the Raiders' new president. And I do believe that he was talking about a promise. I do believe that, uh, you know, if there have been any issues that uh, might have been said initially between Mark Bedane and uh, DRF, that things will start moving in a better direction. Can't guarantee it. Can't guarantee it. But I think they're heading in the right direction. So You know, and you, you mentioned earlier, you just kept saying, you know, in terms of like, Heading everything heading in the right direction and the cohesiveness is and I just think for all things considered that Mark Davis really I mean this community if you haven't already you know because the, there's so many people that the disdain for the Raiders organization just if you were an NFL fan for so many years um, you know and, and Al Davis rest his soul and, and, and Mark Davis so you automatically associate so it's like eh, you know same type of people that hate Jerry Jones because they hate the Cowboys organization if you are from Las Vegas, and an old school Las Vegas, or someone who moved here and put his career and, and heart and soul into it, like yourself, Steve, when you moved here, I think you have to come to grips and, and appreciate what Mark Davis has done to sort of elevate for all professional sports in what he did with the Aces organization and, and giving women complete power in Nikki Fargus and Natalie Williams and Becky Hammond. And now with the Raiders... And, and just the, the progression that we're seeing because the relationships that they're forming with the likes of the UNLV coaches from football to basketball, women's basketball as well. I mean, the relationships throughout. And, th and this spreads to the aviators because I've seen, you know, uh, 
uh, Foster Moreau and Alec Ingold and, and hanging out in the, with Don Logan in the presence and walking around and shaking fans' hands and, you know, just their involvement all together. And the word community, she really emphasized today. I mean, it starts with what the culture that Mark Davis promised he was going to bring to this town and bringing people together. It's happening. Yeah, and back to President Whitfield and, hey, what's the future hold for UNLV? You mentioned community. The entire community and the other, you know, the, the major sports in town, the pro sports leagues, you've talked about, hey, they've already fostered a relationship. Everyone's got to be behind this thing. If you want UNLV and the state of Nevada to get at the table, you know, the big boy table yeah. for college sports, it's only going to help if they have support from the Raiders, from the Golden Knights, from LBCVA. This isn't just the school trying to do it. Everyone in Vegas has to be behind it. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't So we know there's a ton of celebrities in town, basketball celebrities, American Basketball Convention or National Tall People Convention is what I always call the, uh, the NBA Summer League. Believe me, Willie and I feel the pain as guys who are not uh, six-footers. Uh, I know you were at the Aces game last night. We talked to Cassidy Hubberth. With ESPN, longtime uh, NBA voice there. She was at the game. Looked like some other celebrities were out there. Who'd you say? You know, who walked in, and, and it just struck my eye. It sat right across from me and our guy Jed over here. It was Dana White walks in. And I looked because— Did you do a double take? I, well, I did a double take because I know his bodyguard, Brian Peterson. That's the double take. Our sons played— uh, Club ball went to Arbor View High School together. Oh, I didn't together. know that. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was funny because they both sat down, and it was like they had to like control, like they had to literally position themselves strategically. It's a good thing they sat next to each other because they were so big, and I'm talking like buff, like they were overflowing on the seats. And I'm thinking, Jesus, if you're sitting next to eat on the outsides of one because they're sitting next to each other. So I tweeted out, I said, well, Dana White just walked in with his body, flanked by his bodyguard, Brian Peterson, but Dana could easily be his bodyguard, and all I know is I'm not messing with either one of them. And you're no small guy, and you left. I went over and said hi Did to you? Brian. Yeah, I said hi to I him. We have, caught up a little bit. I have him. seen Brian in a couple of social environments. And I use the same stupid joke every time, and he should punch me in the face. <laughs> and I walk up to him every time, and I'm like, bro, are you going to start lifting or not? It, and I'm just waiting for him to be like, all right, I used the to, third time you've done that to me. I used but to he's not it. like, he's actually, he's a very nice guy. He, and he has a very difficult job. Uh, Dana White flies all over the world. Um, he, he travels a lot. Yeah. And he does a lot beyond what he does with USC. So well, uh, a, go, going back, they've had multiple bodyguards. Um, you know, and I've been familiar with those guys, so it's it's a hard gig, and it and it takes a supportive family. You know, obviously, and his wife Chris is 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 a is a great lady, and it, like I said, his son is daughter. His son is, he has twins, a son and a daughter. Um, he he's a former Metro officer who he was with SWAT, and and he's just he's he like you said like like you see him and he's tatted up and he's huge, he's not, big. He's he looks like he'd step in the octagon, right? Yeah, yeah. and and he's not. I remember when he was. With Metro, and he would always he would he would train in jujitsu, and he was into that. But I would see I run into him at LBAC, and um, he just overall is like you said, like he's intimidating when you see him. Then you walk up and talk to him. He's just he's very low key, and he's, he's he talks very you know tempered and great guy, great guy. But it was it was cool to see him just to catch up with him because you know other people like you you recognize you probably saw my tweet. You said, oh yeah, I know, but you know is that? But I know him as a little league dad. 
and a club ball dad and, you know, a, a fellow high school parent from when our kids were in high school together. Come on down to Silver 7's. Happy hour's going on right now, 277 on lots of the drinks. And you want to sign up for the A-Play card. They've got uh, gambling gift giveaways uh, throughout the week. Um, some great stuff and uh, especially some backyard items, uh, home items coming up for the backyard. The Sunday gift giveaway. Uh, on the way, they're going to be giving away a soaker hose. We've got the outdoor light giveaway on the 24th. Also a tool set at the end of the month. This is the place to play Silver 7's and you get all those bonus prizes. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. You know, this Thursday spot has become more than an eye on sports betting. Brad Powers, BradPowersSports.com, at BradPowers7 on Twitter. His tweets are hilarious. Not only did he get the college football expertise, gambling expertise, he's a sharp. He really bets. He really puts up his tickets. But his lifestyle is fascinating. It, it really is. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. You're, I always feel like you're like, what am I walking into? Okay, I got to – because Willie's with you on this. Because um, we had a discussion about fireworks last week. I love fireworks. But you went off. You are not happy. I know Willie wasn't happy. So – Lay it out there, because you, you have a lot of people in the Las Vegas community who are going to hear this, and they're going to be you know what, Brad, you are right. Fireworks suck. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I, I just don't get it. I mean, especially if you're over the age of 12, like after, you know, a few years after the sparkler days, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, on so many reasons. They're expensive. I tweeted this. They're expensive. They don't last long. Especially out here, they're a fire hazard. Danger. I mean, obviously, really dangerous. I I've not seen a, a different fireworks after the age of ten. Where I'm like, oh my god, oh wow, that's so unique and so different. Oh wow, you've seen one, you see them all. I mean, and then if you got pets, it's just a nightmare. Uh, not only night, but you know, a weekend, uh, depending on where the fourth falls. And uh, yeah, I I just don't get them. I just think it's a low IQ form. Of entertainment, you know, Rat. It's funny because here's the thing: I was never really anti-firework. It's I think it was everybody's goal to go out and get illegal ones and do them in neighborhoods that has turned people off. Because I grew up in a time where the cool thing was to get that it was that little pack in that little thin red paper, and you broke it open, and it was a book of firework uh, firecrackers, and that was cool. That was a big thing. It, it evolved to being able to get a bottle rocket. But after that, it's like, like I don't need to shoot off the thing in the sky and have everybody looking in my neighborhood at the same thing that you could see, you know, down on the strip or whatever. I think it was everybody's endeavor to, to create their own illegal fireworks show that turned basically people off from fireworks. And now I'm seeing minivans blow up, palm trees catch on fire. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, look, I can maybe appreciate appreciate them if it's, you know, the pros doing it. If it's the actual city putting them on and they're lighting them off, you know, off top of, uh, you know, some of the Las Vegas hotels, casinos and whatnot, that I'm fine with. But it, you're right, it's turned into every Joe, you know, Joe Sixpack guy's got to light off and put on his own fireworks show. And, I mean, at least the, at least the city's have enough brains to, you know, put it on at dusk or 10 o'clock. I mean, I got to listen to it at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. 
Yeah, or even better, they started shooting them off at three in the afternoon. I'm like, you can't even, can't even see it. It's just a loud boom. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other thing man. about Brad's Brad's thread, day, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Brad's Twitter thread is because uh, I'm a cat owner and I, there's a lot of dog owners on there. It, it was like sparring between cat and dog owners. You know, dog owners are calling uh, cat owners, you know, less than men. I'm like, this is this has turned into a tremendous discussion. All right, let's transition. Fireworks in the NFL, right? Quarterback is traded. Baker Mayfield goes to. Carolina. I saw you went on with uh, Jason McIntyre, who's doing a really good job of developing himself into a sports gambling expert. Um, you guys, do you? I saw the tweet. Who believes in Baker Mayfield in this underdog role, and that Carolina should be a bet on team? Really? All right. Uh, what I said was, you know, I'm not talking the full season. I like, I bet Carolina uh, about six weeks ago in Week One against Cleveland. And it, there was two, it was two fronts. Number one, I thought there was a good, decent chance that Carolina could go out and get not only a Baker, but possibly even a Jimmy G from the 49ers. So I thought there was a greater than 50% chance they were going to upgrade a quarterback. Believe it or not, I would even have Baker Mayfield a half point, point better than Sam Darnold if Baker's healthy. And then the other, this is before, you know, the news is breaking about how serious you know, the, the, all, all the different complaints were against Deshaun Watson. Uh, we thought at the time, me and my betting group that, that handles the NFL, uh, that they thought it was greater than 50% chance that Deshaun Watson wouldn't play in the game. So when you added the two together, you had a really, I thought a really nice bet. Anything above three with Carolina home dog, I loved. In, in fact, I'll just say it now. You know, it's two, two and a half. But if you can shop around and find the books, I just think Carolina wins the game. So if you can find money line, I, I think it's good. All right. Um, I, I read that as more of a, a season-long thing, and I'm not sure how much of a boost Baker Mayfield gives him on the, the win total. I did see Dan Orlovsky was talking about uh, Baker on the Panthers and, and said the uh, the plus 450 bet to make the playoffs is a good bet. I, I don't know about that one, even at that Ooh, price. I, I mean, that's still a pretty bad roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're in a division. You know, they're already, in my opinion, better than Atlanta, and the Saints obviously have question marks. Although, you know, the Saints, if it wasn't for, you know, Winston and a brand-new coach, I mean, if you look at the Saints roster, it's pretty big. It's playoff ready outside of those couple of question marks. And then Tampa's still, I mean, one of the top two teams in the NFC. So I don't see a lot of wiggle room for Carolina to get to the playoffs. So I would not be running the window to bet plus 450 in that regard. Brad Powers with us at Brad Powers 7 on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Uh, he's part of the Covers family as well. We'll explain some of the stuff coming out with Covers. I want to go back to the big news of last week and think this through a little bit, uh, what it's going to look like for USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. I saw a lot of people you know, saying that, hey, the, uh, the, the middle and the bottom of the Big Ten is better than the Pac-12. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. It ain't that great in the middle and the bottom. But here's the thing. I wonder what will happen, and this is not really betting now, but I wonder what will happen. How do you think the Big Ten will handle USC and UCLA? Will they give them a murderer's row schedule that first couple of years? What do you, what do you think they're going to do? Because clearly, you know, Rutgers and Maryland are not the same entities, uh, but they were brutalized. <laughs> you know, they, they gave them a tough schedule. They did the same thing to Nebraska. They beat up Nebraska with the schedule. I wonder uh, if they're going to welcome USC and UCLA with just brutality from a scheduling standpoint. So I'm looking at my power ratings right now, middle of the Big Ten. So we'll say the top teams, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. Those are the top four. Right. Michigan State would be five. 
Nebraska to Purdue would be the middle, in my opinion. Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue. On a per-team basis, you you are talking about a power rating uh, at least three. Uh, oh, that was a good part, too. Yeah. That was the good. That's what we set it up for, the power rating stuff. We'll get him back on here in a second. I might be shocked by this. Maybe he's going to have those schools closer. All right, Brad, you started to talk about a power rating standpoint, USC, UCLA versus the middle of the conference. Keep going. Yeah, so, I mean, on a per-team basis, I would have uh, the middle of the Big Ten about three, four points better than the Pac-12. So, I mean, that will make a difference over the long haul. I guess my worry with the middle of the Big Ten and the bottom is it always seems to be mediocre to – not so great quarterbacks. I just don't. I, I just don't think the quarterback play has consistently been good at a lot of those schools. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I, I mean that, that that's fine. But where are they strong? Is the Iowa's, the Minnesotas of the world? They're strong in the line of scrimmage. Something that yeah. you know, I would say USC and UCLA aren't seeing when they're playing Washington State and Arizona and Arizona State and whatnot. They're not seeing that. And then you add on top of that. I mean, you can say it doesn't make a difference, but. You, you, you make four or five trips across the country in a season, yeah. and, oh, yeah, by the way, late October and November, instead of playing in 70 degrees, you're playing at 35, 40 degrees. I think it's a negative. Now, the positive is, you know, on an annual basis, USC and UCLA are going to get 40 or $50 million extra, you know, dollars in their pocket. So that's a big-time positive, and it's why they made the move. I'll give you another thought, and really everyone's just kind of theorizing on their area, talking trash about this whole thing, and, uh, you know, football brands and quality of football. I saw a guy who writes for the LA Times saying Oregon is now screwed. They've lost California. Like, bruh, it's Phil Knight. They have the money. They're immensely popular in Southern California. Do you think Oregon takes a big hit in recruiting in, in Southern California in the next couple of years? Uh, to be determined, I'm not sure that they do. I mean, we'll, let, let's see how it shakes out. I mean, is it a watered-down pack? 10, Pac-12, uh, whatever you want to call it. Do they combine with the Big 12 or whatnot? Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, if they're still access, if they're still playing in a conference with access to teams out of the state of California, I don't think it'll be a, a huge deal for them. But it, they're still, no matter what ends up shaking out, if they don't get in the Big 2, obviously the SEC or Big 10, Oregon as a program, even with all that Nike money, are going to be making $50 million less Per year on an annual basis, even compared to you know the Rutgers of the world. Well, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's everyone in the country is rooting for that scenario. At least I am. I know that. Um, have you? <laughs> I don't know if you've dipped into this at all. Have you seen that William Hill has been posting win total showdowns between NFL teams and college football teams? I have. I've looked at them. I, I see don't anything? see a tremendous amount of value, but I think it's a really cool prop. Uh, Raiders against USC, head-to-head wins. USC is a favorite at minus 125. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it seems right because, I mean, you're talking about a Ra- Raiders uh, win total at 8.5. Right now, USC is 9.5. Even, so that would scream that, uh, you know, they should be a larger favorite than what they are at minus 125, but it just so happens that one of my favorite season win total bets is under 9.5 on USC. So, again, I thought they did a good job pricing that one. Brad, you're awesome. Love the tweets. Sorry about the fireworks, man. That was me blowing off a lot of those. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. 
at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter. Pretty soon he'll start posting tickets. He's already got 100-plus bets around college football. He is the man, and he does it for real.